What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowan. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. Breck, what, what episode is this? 14, I think. Thank you guys for listening to the 14th episode. My name is Matt Pinella, also known as Matt Bangswood, framer and YouTuber based out of Central California. Today, we're going to be jumping in with Christina Mahler, the baller, founder of Steel Toe Consulting and Crew Collab, aka self-proclaimed mom from the burbs with a construction wow. obsession. On this episode, we're talking everything women in construction and about the founding story and mission of Crew Collab. Christina, Woo-hoo! welcome to the store, the show. I almost Come, said the store. Store. What would you like <laughs> to the buy? The store. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. I am awesome. excited about this. My little sister's interested in the trades, and this is like perfect. Well, at least we'll have oh. one listener. I know. <laughs> My mom will listen. There we go. Mine will too. We're excited to have you on. It's a uh, women in construction week. Uh, you were one of the first people that came to mind. So I was like, we got to get Christine on to cover this. All right, then I hope I don't disappoint you. Pressure's on pressure's on. Um, before we jump into it, uh, women in construction, we want to know what you're doing now with the crew collab, uh, crew collab, and then everything spanning from your, your journey of concert production, jewelry design, residential and civil construction. So give us a little quick rundown of uh, your journey and how you got to where you are now. Um, well, I, uh, I've had one of those lives where I've just kind of gone along a crazy path and ended up exactly where I'm supposed to be, which I think is probably the best way to do most things in life and live most things in your life. Um, I graduated from Iowa State. I had a journalism degree, which was just what I decided to do because it was the easiest one at the time and I liked reading and writing. And, um, you know, the main thing I got out of that is I bartended all four years and um, met a lot of really great people and heard a lot of really great music. Um, and I can still write pretty good LinkedIn posts and I do okay on Instagram. So um, after college, I went and started a concert a concert series down in Des Moines. I lived in Des Moines for actually a total of about, well, I was in Iowa State for four years, another five years in Des Moines, and went and did concerts. I did a large scale festivals. That was awesome. I was working in nonprofits and small businesses. And then I did the thing where you move home because everybody moves home. And I uh, come from Minnesota. So I came back to Minnesota and my best friend's dad said, hey, uh, we've got the family jewelry store. We're probably gonna go out of business soon. You wanna come work here until that happens while you look for a new job. And I'm like, hey, I you know, have nothing else going on, so why not? So it was another small business and um, it was in the heyday of uh, Facebook. And so I started working there and we had no marketing plan. And uh, John, who was the owner of that store, it's like this amazing personality. And so we started doing Facebook videos, marketing, you know, making him a personal brand. We ended up tripling that business in the first year. Oh, and shit. during an economic downturn, it was sort of like, okay, so there's something here. And so starting to understand, you know, the personality and defining your personal brand is the key to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I kind of caught that bug. Uh, while I was working there, I was I became a partner and thought that was going to be like my forever job. And as most people know, I'm pretty sweary. I'm a very cursy. I'm a very cursy mother. Um, so I like to, uh, and I'm very straightforward. And I don't know that that was necessarily the best fit for selling jewelry, because uh, half the time I'm like trying to <laughs> kind of like talk to these. <laughs> This shit's going to look great on you. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, I, I know the day that I like realized I shouldn't be in jewelry. This guy was like, can I finance this ring? And I'm like, maybe you need a new girlfriend. And he was like, oh, <laughs> like, have you talked about financials? Because I don't think she needs a two carat diamond. And it sounds like $1,500 is basically your budget. So, uh. oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, so I, I started, um, spending more time with my husband's people and he's a he's a tile guy so he's always been in residential construction and so I had just started hanging out with him and as I was getting to know him better I was realizing that like construction people were really my people 
you know, like being on these job sites, I would take him dinner, I would, you know, help him market his business. And I started to realize like, Hey, that's really where I want to be. So I took this crazy leap of from the successful business and into the residential construction market. And I took a job at the local HBA as the director of membership, the Home Builders Association. Um, we have the first ever parade of homes here in Minnesota. And so it's, it's a huge deal here. And very so, impressive work too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I started, I started there and they they basically said to me, we want you to do here what you did at the jewelry store, you know, like change up our, our branding, you know, like we want you to grow our membership for the first time in 15 years. And this is right coming out of that crazy, you know, depression or whatever you yeah. guys were. I know everybody's got their term. Um, and so they were showing up to job sites and like suits and ties and bringing Starbucks. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. So I started showing up in boots and bringing Jimmy John's and like crappy coffee from the gas station because those are my people. That's what we like. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I just show up and I'd like shoot the shit with them for a while. And I never try to sell people anything. I just talk to them about what we do. And if there's, you know, if there's a connection, then they'll become memberships members. <clears throat> Well, we grew membership for the first time in 15 years by 8%. So it was obviously a message that was well-received. And from then I was just kind of hooked and did a lot of lobbying at the Capitol for residential and for workforce development and um, started to get more and more into the actual job site piece of things. And then the more I was around job sites, the more I was on job sites, the more I was around heavy equipment. And it just got deeper and deeper. It was like an addiction, like a rabbit hole. I just, um, once I was around um, the excavators and the wiggle wagons and like seeing all the kind of like, I call them like dinosaurs because they are so huge. I was just into it, you know, and I, I, I geek out about it. My kids know that like, if we're going by a construction site, like mom's going to make us stop and watch the, the stuff happening and they don't care about it anymore, but like, I'm into it. So <laughs> I don't really care. So yeah, that's that's where I kind of have landed in civil. I, I worked uh, worked for BuildWit for about seven months. That was fantastic. Um, they have an amazing mission. I left BuildWit, started my own thing. Um, similar mission to what BuildWit does, but I'm more focused on the small businesses and really digging in one-on-one -on -one with the business owners, less about um, obviously like the photography and the websites and all that. Um, but anybody who's pushing forward on the the mission of growing dirt world and pushing forward blue collar is is kind of on the same boat as me. So they're a friend of mine. That that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Any anyone that's trying to move the industry forward, there's been for years now, people are are keeping what they call these trade secrets or really anything to benefit business to themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like if if I can help you or you can help me, why not? Yeah. And that's exactly why I founded Steel Toe. Um, you know, I, I always saw this need, whether it was when I was in jewelry or when I was working in residential construction, um, business owners, they, they start their business and they run full speed at a wall. And that yeah. wall is like this perceived revenue or, or like a goal that they need to hit. And they run so hard for years and years that they get to a certain point that they are so deep into it that they don't realize all the structure that they've missed out on setting up. And so I come in and I kind of take a, help them take a step back. I analyze their personal life. I make them get pretty deep about what the, what's happening with their families um, because whatever's happening at home, as you guys probably know, is probably affecting what's happening at, for you at work and figuring out how to balance those things. And then, you know, the whole like, who's on your team? Are they in the right seat? Should they even be in a seat at all at your company? I don't care how good they are at, the, at their job, but if they're toxic, they don't need to be there. Um, and then developing like an overall culture that helps them recruit and retain new employees that is effective. See, on, on the last episode that we did, we were talking with some guys from Brewer Academy in Arizona, and we were talking about how everybody has to be a team player because if, if one person drops the ball, that can ruin it for everybody. Uh, mm -hmm everyone has to be on the same page. And that, that's really a tough thing when it comes to employing people is knowing that they're there for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. They're there to benefit you. They're there to benefit themselves. Everybody comes up rather than just themselves. Yeah, and loyalty is half the quality of a good employee. I mean, yeah. and, and an employee who's going to be loyal to your team and is willing to learn is worth their weight in gold. Yeah, no, you, you can, 
you can always teach whatever it is that you're doing the trade you can teach anything but you can't teach drive you can't teach loyalty that's something that that's a personal trade that comes with them mm -hmm. with that being said there are a lot of physical and emotional challenges that come with working in construction what are some challenges that you face as a woman or the challenges you've heard from other women in the industry well, seeing as I'm not on the actual job site every day, I, I say I'm more of an amplifier for the messages that I'm hearing out there from women and men um, in construction. And the main challenges, I think, I mean, obviously there, there are gonna be some physical challenges for some women, not always. Um, I think more than anything, the, the main challenge we have is being allowed to do what we know that we can do you know, being kind of empowered, I guess, is the right okay. term. Um, you know, once you have someone say to you, like, hey, I think you can do this. Usually as a woman, there's not many things that are going to stop us from doing that. If somebody's going to take the time to mentor us and teach us how to do something and, and show us the steps to get there. Um, I know for myself, there's not a lot of things that I don't feel like I can accomplish with the right kind of support. Um, and I'm also very open to asking questions when I need them. And I think that maybe a lot of women feel like they're not allowed to ask questions because, you know, you, you kind of have a, a microscope on you the second you job, you get on a job site, you know, and you have to kind of prove yourself. And I think that we just want to show up. We want to do good work. We want to be able to not have to like prove ourselves more than anybody else, but just have the same level of expectations as anybody else that's coming to your job site. That's, that's one thing that we, we stress on a lot of employees is asking questions because there, there really, there is no stupid questions. If you don't know something and you want to ask about it, go right ahead. Um, a lot of people, male and female, I'm sure, feel that there's almost like a, a block in between them and whoever their lead is or their foreman, that they can't ask questions because it's, it's going to make you less. But mm -hmm. asking questions is pretty much the only way we grow. I ask questions every single day. Um, so for anyone younger listening or male, female, whatever you may be, ask as many questions as you can, because that's the only way you're going to grow in this trade. And I think that there's a certain level of communication that needs to happen. And that's a valuable lesson for anybody in any walk of life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's friendships and whether it's a job site. Um, I think that there's these pre kind of like preconceptions of like how men are supposed to treat women on a job site and how women are supposed to react to men acting a certain way. Usually it's like we walk on the job site and it's almost like the guys get quiet. They stop, you know, swearing. They, they kind of go like super polite style, which is great. That's great to be polite. And there's a certain level of like expectation to be, you know, a certain way when a woman's around. But usually when I'm going to be around on a job site, the first thing I do is, is start swearing or like make a dirty joke or say something kind of like, all right, guys, you can chill out. See, you know? I, I'm that way with, with females, with anyone really, because I don't want to come off as that person that's like, he's a piece of shit. So I'll wait a little bit. And if I hear that, I, I do this with everyone we build for, I kid you not, I'll wait for them to say something. And as soon as they're like, well, this freaking sucks and this shit and i'm like all right i'm in here Green we go <laughs> yeah i can be myself <laughs> so i i understand that i part of me thinks it's kind of cool because it is a respect thing in a sense because that was how i was always taught as well um was you're respectful towards women um you don't swear and that's kind of just how it goes but i can i can definitely see where it's like you don't want that because it's you're just on a job site you just want to work and ironically because i am someone who is a little bit of a potty mouth I've actually found that like, I, I make assumptions that like, it's okay for me to get to a job site and just kind of drop F-bombs and, and be the way that I am. And actually sometimes I offend men and I'm, and like, that's always, that's like a preconception for me, like that they should just be totally down with the fact that like, I'm a little rough around the edges and I can be hard on people. I've worked with some people like that where they're just as straight as you can get. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little saucy and sometimes I have to pull on pull back on that a little bit. Speaking speaking from like a, an industry overview, you know, you, you'd brought up your you're not like directly working in the field, but you're acting as kind of like a messenger for the messages in the industry and the the elevation of of the blue collar workforce and women in construction. What are what are some of the challenges from a very high level um, in the industry that you're seeing as well? Not just the job site. Um, 
You know, the main reason, you know, that kind of ties into like the crew mission a little bit. And so, I mean, the whole reason that we established Crew Collaborative in the first place was because we feel like, you know, as women, we were always showing up to these kind of like women in construction um, events and talking to other women. And I think that there needs to be more of like a, it's not the right word, but like a cross-contamination between men and women, like working towards the same, the same final goal, which is really saving the fact that we have such a failing workforce right now. We definitely so, do. Overall, um, you know, when you're talking about the overall struggle and the problem is we don't have anybody coming in right now, you know, it's starting to, to get a little bit better. Um, but right now it doesn't really matter if you're a man or a woman, you know, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, purple, it, it, nothing. As long as you have the desire to go and do the work and make a good wage, um, construction should be an option for you. And that, that is the overall problem. It doesn't have anything to do with women in construction. The overarching problem for our whole industry is that we need to change our preconception and we need to be appealing to the high schoolers, but mm -hmm. just as much as high schoolers, we need to be appealing to people in their thirties who really hate their jobs. And they have another like 40 years of work left or however long. And, you know, they're sitting at a desk, just hating their jobs. Those are my favorite messages we're getting. Yep. It's, it's awesome. Like I'm an accountant and I'm thinking I might like to go into welding. And it's like, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even I, I know I've gotten direct messages and messages and emails from people saying like, Hey, like I've focused on this career path and I like made a change and I actually love what I do now. Um, and I think those are some of the best messages because they kind of have that realization, like they experienced everything that they should have because of whoever told them that that was the right path. They had the opportunity to experience that, realize it wasn't for them, and then have even more of a deeper desire to go into an industry that they love. And then they just love their work even more. Those are some of the best stories. It's the whole fear of missing out thing though, too, because if you go down one path from the get-go and you never know what it was like if you would have went down that one. You're, yeah, you're always, I mean, you're always going to wonder. And I, I did the same exact thing. Um, I've gotten a lot of messages from people say that they went to college and they, they just, they hate it. They didn't like what they went for. They didn't like what they ended up doing, but they've experienced it. So now they can get into whatever trade they want to. But at the same time, I've, I've had so many people that are mid thirties, late thirties, early forties asking me, Matt, is it too late? Am I, am I too late? It's like some of the best people I've worked with are mid fifties. And they kill it. And it's mm -hmm. because they're, yeah. they're I'm just a, easy going and, and they can work their ass off. I'm turning 40 this year and um, I have two young kids and I've had a couple careers already. And I just started this biz, these two organizations last year. And I'm also training and welding. You know, I'm pausing it right now because I have way too much going on. But my goal is to have a career in welding working on heavy equipment. And so there is no reason why I can't be in my mid forties or, you know, mm -hmm. late and starting that career. And I just, I think that we put way too many limits on ourselves as people, like as to what we can do within our, with our life, you know, you don't have to stay in the same lane the whole time. Well, I, I think in general, people think that it, it's been kind of crammed into the younger kids heads that they need to have it figured out. I remember being in high school, ninth grade, and they were asking me, Matt, what are you going to do after high school? I'm like, shit, I don't know. Can I, can I figure it out when I get there? And then sure enough, I didn't even make it to 11th grade, but they want you to have your, your life mapped out so early on. And I think that's what throws people into these career paths that they don't truly enjoy. They just, they find something that they think they might like, but it's like, shit, you don't know what you want to do at 19. We're also, we're also at this day and age, we're also kind of paralyzed by how many options we have. Like if we look at our parents' generation, like how many options did they have? coming out of school, high school, college, yeah. whatever it was, like a couple. Now it's, you have a vast majority of you can do whatever. You, you can, can try a bunch anything. of things and people don't know what to choose. But um, no, I completely agree. Christina, one thing that I did want to, well, it's two things, but the first and foremost, I wanted you to touch on what your uh, your welding experience has been like, the, the classes, what that's been like as maybe a, uh, a woman in the industry. Uh, what's that experience been like for you so far? Um, so 
I have had like this crazy year of growth, right? So I've just been kind of like on a self-discovery mission over the past 18 months. And part of that was um, this journey into welding. Um, mm-hmm. For a while, I thought I might want to go start operating heavy equipment, but welding is really the thing that like gets me jazzed. So the reason I decided to kick back into welding is when I was in high school, which was a while ago, um, I was not a good student. I was like a, a solid C average, C minus maybe. Um, and so I was taking all the classes that they, they offered to kids who aren't really going anywhere. You know, like the classes where you go do the trust fall and you like learn to do the, 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 the shop classes and just like this, like, what are you guys trying to do with us here? Just keep us busy. Yeah. And, uh, one of the classes I got to take was welding. And I just remember that like something clicked with me, like the amount of power and just like actually building something with my hands and how excited I was about that. Um, that was like it for me. And so I thought, and I took an aptitude test and it told me I should go into welding or carpentry. And I was like, well, holy crap, something I like looks like it's going to become my career. So that's fantastic. And then I took my um, ACT test and I got a 31 on it. And so it turns out I'm like pretty smart. So all of, all of a sudden, like my uh, counselor is trying to tell me that I need to go to college, you know, with that score on your test, you know, you should really be going to college. You should figure that out, blah, blah, blah. And like, I was like kind of a party girl, you know, like I was just every weekend, whatever was going on actually during the week too. Um, <laughs> you know, Honesty. So, so I, I was like, oh crap, I got to go to college. Like that is. So I ended up enrolling at Iowa State and I went to Iowa State because my friends who I partied with were going there. Like that was it. And um, I paid out of state tuition, went to all four years. I got a C average, whatever at college. And I got this journalism degree and I left and I've not done anything journalism related. But as this year, I've been going through this now 15, 16 years after graduating from college, I've been going through this like journey of like, what do I actually want to be doing? You know, like I can't keep jumping from career to career. What do I actually want to be doing? Well, I want to be working in civil construction. So check, that's what I'm doing. Um, I want to be doing something that's going to change the workforce um, and help improve the future for our labor shortage because everybody's having that problem and I can't just leave things alone when I see there's a problem. So check, we're working on that. That's a big problem you're taking care of there. I'm not going to solve the whole thing, but you got a life I, task though. Everyone, motivated. everyone can pitch in. Yeah. And, uh, and then it was like, well, what's the passion project? So I, I, I paint, you know, sometimes, but like, I want to learn how to have a tangible skill. So like if the bottom falls out of my life, I have a skill, you know, that I can fall back on because everybody always needs a welder and it's something that I enjoy doing. So I went back to school at a local tech school, started going, um last fall the classes were ridiculous um we watched youtube videos to learn how to weld and that just that's kind of one of those things you can't teach no i and and so luckily through instagram i had all these these welding friends who had already been connecting with and i was like hey is this normal like is this how they're supposed to teach classes and they're like no that's that's actually not what we want for you in that class and and ironically, um, the welding videos that we were watching were weld.com. And that's Jason Becker, who's Arc Junkie podcast, yep. who's now a fantastic friend of mine and sits on the board for crew. And the whole reason that that conversation started was because I reached out to him through a mutual friend, Nate Bowman, who's weld scientist and said, hey, uh, I'm watching this video. I feel like you probably know this guy. <laughs> and, you know, we all connected and so they're never going to let me drop my weld dream and I think that that's fantastic that I have people holding me accountable to that because life gets busy those are the best kind of friends to have right there they really are see I almost said the f word right then but I didn't (laughs) (laughs) I just had to point out that I had a little she just really wants to say it now (laughs) just go for it Um, Chrissy, I want to get us back on track for the women in construction. One of the really unique things that I thought about uh, the crew collab is like your really strong uh, perspective on like involving men and women in the same conversation versus like creating that exclusive environment of like women in construction. 
what was like your initial, like you, you kind of touched on your initial approach of like why you believe the two should exist, exist together, but what's been the response so far on your approach? Um, well, you know, we actually were just, this is cool because you guys are, um, social media people, but we were checking our stats yesterday on our Instagram pages and LinkedIn and whatever. And we are basically 50, 50 for male and female for our followers, which for us is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole conversation of involving men, it's just kind of a no brainer. You know, it, this is your guys's industry that we want to work alongside you in it right now. You know, like 90% of men are, well, the industry is 90% male. It's more like 93%. And you have these women who just want to do the work alongside of you guys. And we just want to be respected and have the opportunity and just be able to show like the type of level of work that we want to bring to a job. And there's no way to have that conversation with just women involved, period. You're not going to get anywhere. You're going to be spinning your wheels. It's, it's just not going to be effective. You kind of have to educate the males as you go as well with it to where everyone's on the same page. Correct. But what I'm finding too, is like the men want that too. You know, like it's just this, it's misconception really to me that men don't want women in the industry. Men want women in the industry just as bad as we want to be in there because we bring a new dynamic to the work site that um, is not there right now. Um, You know, anytime you can bring a new perspective to a job, it's going to be a more well-run job. That's not a male thing, not a female thing. It's just an additional perspective thing. And so, um, you know, in order to have the conversation really effectively, you have to involve everybody because in order to grow your workforce, which is what every single leader in this industry is complaining about, you have to appeal to both sides of your demographic. You have to be appealing to men and women. You have to be appealing to high schoolers. You have to be appealing to minorities. You can't say, hey, we have a failing workforce and not appeal to every possible demographic that you have out there. So it's really not a women in construction push, but it's just gonna be a natural side effect that by pushing hard on this workforce problem, we're going to have to start appealing to that other 50% of our population. It's interesting that you found that out by going through that process too, which Crook Lab was initially kind of the the, the women in construction, you just kind of learn through the process and like, like tailoring that message and getting more of the men involved in that entire conversation. Yeah, it's, it's been cool because the, you know, originally crew started with this group of, I mean, 18 of us, but 11 of us got together in person in Minneapolis last year. And, you know, you go around the table, you kind of talk about like how you got into the industry, why you're interested in changing it we all had male mentors and and supporters coming up. Like none of us, like I've joked about before, like none of us are are she man, woman hater, man haters or whatever. Like, (laughs) you know, I've gotten that joke a few times, like, man, you guys look like man haters in your photos. And it's like, actually we, we love men, you know, we married men, we work alongside men, we are raising young men, you know, it's, we, we love men. We want to work with them, you know, and that's, that's really the message at the end of the day. And that came out of that first weekend. Like, no, we don't want this to be like just women in construction, but there's no reason a movement can't be started by a group of strong women. Not at all. Completely agree. So I have a question. Um, obviously women are only making up about 10% in the industry right now. And I'm really curious to ask, like, what are some of the biggest advantages of being a woman in construction right now? You obviously have your pulse on the, on the industry and everything, but I was just kind of curious what you've seen so far. Um, I think that the benefit of being a woman is in general, women are generally, in general, we are generally, (laughs) we're empathetic. You know, we, we, we come into something and we are able to see things from a lot of different perspectives. Um, I just think, you know, growing up, being a woman, being the situations that we have to be in, we are always having to pivot. We're always having to look at all the different ways that things are being thought about. And we bring that to a job site. Um, we bring that to a team. Um, the project managers that I have the pleasure of being friends with, you know, they, the women are, um, they're more perceptive sometimes to what is actually happening on a job site and maybe less likely to just run full speed at that wall and maybe take a step back and try to figure out like maybe there's a more um, 
maybe there's a better way to approach this problem. Um, but overall, I wouldn't say that women necessarily have an advantage over men. I think that um, they're just willing, they just wanna be able to put in the same level of work as men and be able to show that, that we can show up and do the same type of, of stuff that they're doing. Um, it's hard for me to speak from, you know, as well, just because I'm not on the job sites and I can't speak to how the women are, I, I go to job sites because I like to hang out and watch things happening and taking pictures and stuff like that, but I'm not showing up and actually working in the ditches alongside the men and, you know, doing what they have to do every single day. But what I know is they just want to show up and do the work. You know, they don't feel like usually like they're getting any special treatment and, and maybe guys would feel differently, but I think that they just want to show up and they want to do the job. They want to get respect. And that's, that's it. I think that was, that's pretty much what anybody wants in construction. I think that's, I, yeah, like you said, that's what everybody's after. I mean, we all just want to show up, make money and build some shit. Yeah. And I don't think that that's really any different for women. Um, I think that that's kind of the, the honest answer is, is really like, we don't want to be looked at like we're being treated with kid gloves. We don't want to be approached any differently. We, we don't want to have advantages that other people don't get. We just want to show up and prove ourselves and, and do the same type of work that anybody else is going to show up and do. For sure. So on, on to kind of the next subject here. Women are looking for mentors and role models in a male-dominated industry. Many of them don't have access to the countless on-site female managers or leaders. What has been the best resource for you and your fellow female peers to overcome this? Where like everybody needs someone to look up to or, or something to someone to ask questions to. Yeah. Where can people go? We are insanely lucky with our group of friends right now because we've come up with like this little posse of, of women that we can go to and we support each other. And it's kind of like this great little Instagram group that's turned into something obviously bigger with crew. So we're trying to recreate that kind of um, that posse, I guess, that vibe. And we're going to be calling it our ambassador program through Crew Collaborative. Awesome. So, um, as we, we're also having another program called Classroom Talks. So as we talk to high schoolers or, you know, people in their thirties or whatever, who are interested in getting into construction, we will then have a path for them to talk to an ambassador that is already in that line of work. And maybe if it's not even the same line of work, but maybe somebody that's like-minded, but we'll have a thoughtful pairing where we put someone with a mentor who can help guide them through their journey into construction. And we also are going to have um, opportunities for people who are already working in construction to reach out and be paired with an ambassador just to have somebody to talk to. We find that people that are coming into construction a lot of times um, will have problems with simple stuff like what kind of PPP, what kind of PPE do I wear on a job site? Where can I find stuff that actually fits my body types? That's a big one for women. Um, what kind of work mm -hmm. are great for me? Um, any, and like, even like you need like a glossary of terms of like, what do people say on job sites? Like, what are things like that I need to just know so I don't sound like an idiot on my first day of work because I just don't know what they're talking about. So as simple as that and as, and as complex as, you know, dealing with uncomfortable situations on a job site and how do I handle that or in an office or how do I establish myself as a leader? So just really walking people through different stuff that they might be running into on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that having a mentor is very important. I, I enjoy mentoring people. It's, it's something that I think is extremely valuable for anyone. That said, like recreating that feeling of a mentor and calling it, you know, an ambassador is good. And those people will also be ambassadors for our whole industry. Yeah. You're, you're, giving, you're giving them somewhere to go. And that, that's, that's what's needed when there's when there's nothing they feel helpless so you're giving them that ability to grow and i mean i've i've worked with high school students before and just youth to youth the youth don't want to hear somebody that's mid-60s talking about how a trade is achievable they want to hear somebody that's younger and that's that's kind of where i came into that whole game as well because i can relate to them i'm a couple years older than them so mm -hmm. I've, i really like that you're doing that that's that's pretty rad and um, that's is made up of so many young people too. Um, we deliberately chose kind of half older people like me yeah. and, and like younger people um, who are in their early to mid 20s who can, you know, still talk about their experience so that, you know, we can all kind of guide each other 
through uh, how we want things to look for the industry and have that conversation in a really straightforward way. I really like how you're, you're doing the mentoring thing. Um, and if you guys are doing that virtually, obviously right now, that would be a major benefit. I, I was doing some research earlier this week, just on women in construction. And one of the points that we brought up earlier was um, women not having like a, a woman manager, like on the field. And that's like nearly half of them. Like don't have someone they can directly look up to on the job site. And so giving them that resource. Um, <laughs> what I'm is sorry. That? I had a bunch of whipped cream in my orange juice cup and I just dropped all of it on my face. I'm so sorry. You have to edit that out. We're like on a serious topic. I know. Um, oh no, I hope you leave that in. <laughs> Maybe staying. we will. Roll it. Maybe we will. But, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm like really like, kind of interested in because like you're, you're offering that exclusive community to them or not even exclusive, like inclusive community to them where they can learn from these mentors and like have direct access to it. Um, the, other, the other thing that I found kind of surprising is like nearly out of eight out of 10 women are left out of social events at a company. And that's kind of where that exclusive kind of feel. I'll say it. That's, that's bullshit. Yeah. And so, but I think that's, <laughs> oh what's that christina <laughs> the party come on <laughs> yeah join the party um but i also thought that was like very interesting as well like we need to be involving women in the conversation getting them um paired up with mentors because you know they want to do the work like you were saying yeah community is a big big part of what we will be working on mm -hmm. um you know when i was at con expo last year, which was actually right now last year, and I want to be back there right now. Um, when we were at ConExpo, the, the thing that was so clear to me was this industry is like craving community. Like mm -hmm. we were all there, you know, you got your like Instagram people, like your little family that you're used to talking to and online and like you in instantly feel like you know these people so well, right? And that's the beauty of social media. Um, but that said, you know, we hung out together. We can talk about things that we're dealing with. We can talk about our families and it's just like a comfort zone. And so another one of the programs that we're going to be working on with crew is we're going to be having an annual event, like an annual retreat that we are going to open up to the industry. And um, it's going to be about 50% education and 50% just focused on community and um, socializing leadership um, and just learning how to show pride in what we are doing as a blue collar nation. Um, you know, showing pride, that's the biggest thing that people need to be doing to be recruiting people is, is showing pride in what they're doing. And if we can amplify that with a larger group of people, then that's just gonna get the message out there faster. So we've got some awesome partners that are already stepping up and saying that they wanna host us for, um, for uh, these larger events. And we hope that they will grow and grow and eventually we'll partner with organizations, hopefully fingers crossed like ConExpo mm -hmm. and um, you know, utilize partners that we already have like Caterpillar and um, Case and- um, Big Tor names, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. And so, you know, taking those partnerships and they're, they are all like so on board with what we're doing because it's important, you know, and they, they see how important it is for people to take pride in this industry and really like push on it and not stop pushing on it because it's, it's not like a, a question of like a feel good moment. It's a question of like, how is our industry going to survive moving forward? So we have to change it. Like the conversation has to change. It's not an option. Yeah. I think it's more just more than just the industry as well. Like infrastructure is shit mm -hmm. we haven't been working on that for decades the housing crisis it's like i i think a lot of people look at the industry and like okay there's a labor shortage like we need to do something for the industry but it's like look at all the families businesses infrastructure that's impacted if we don't build the workforce so it's it's more than just construction's problem it's mm -hmm. everyone's problem it is everyone's problem for sure and it's it's it really, I, I always talk to my friends about this because like I said, I'm a mom in the burbs and my friends kind of look at me sometimes like, what? <laughs> like, why are you working in construction and why do you love blue collar so much? And I'm just like, you guys don't understand. Like all these job sites you're driving by, like soon there's not gonna be people to go work at them. Like you wanna have your house remodeled, good luck having that be affordable. Mm -hmm. because yeah. 
nobody's going to be able to find a carpenter who costs less than $300 an hour because they're going to be such a hot commodity, you know, so it's, it's good for the people that are doing it, but it's going to kind of really, well, not kind of, it's really going to impact the whole country. On topic, but off topic, where, where do you think the construction industry will be here in five to 10 years? Well, now that crews around, I think that they are going to be in a much better spot. And, you know, then we have mission partners, like organizations like Hammer, like what you are doing with Hammer is really great as well. And like things like anything that's moving forward and pushing forward on this pride piece for um, construction. I think it's going to be good. We're at the beginning of a giant wave of awesomeness that's just coming down the barrel, like coming in hot. Like, I just don't see how we can't have an impact with the amount of enthusiasm and honestly, just the amount of like corporations that are stepping in line and companies that are like saying, okay, yeah, we need to start putting our money where our mouth is. Um, and even businesses, you know, for so long, I've been saying like, we can't get anybody to come work for us. Like there's no good workers out there anymore. We'll stop bitching about it and let's do something about it. You know, like let's Everybody change. Everybody talks Absolutely. about it. Uh, I, I, I think we're kind of just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Like I, I, I just, my gut says that, but also a lot of the, the data too, like how much we need to invest in infrastructure. Again, those are just, those aren't things you can just ignore. Mm-hmm. Like those things have to be built. They have to be improved. I mean, Imagine just driving to work and being like, well, not really sure if this bridge is going to be safe to drive over today. <laughs> like, fucking come on, people. There's, there's a couple locally that I, I'm not sure they're okay to you, drive you over. Take, you take the detour, Matt? You're like, yeah, no, I'm going to go I left drive, today. I drive right over them. If that bitch falls, it's okay. It's destiny. <laughs> yeah, you and your little peep just rocking out over that bridge. Someone's got to do it, buddy. But I, that's, that's kind of where I think the, the construction industry is. I mean, the look at construction over the last several years, we have not done a great job at even marketing the benefits of it or what it could be. Um, and I think now there's a lot more money in the space because we have to, like a lot of these big brands and these corporations, like that's their customer base. They have to invest in it or they don't have a business. Right. Um, but I, I, for sure, it's a, it's a sexy industry. And I, I think that there were there was a marketing campaign that was done for the Marines, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, where it was like, exactly what you're talking about. Soldiers are so sexy in this, in these campaigns. I mean, yeah, uniforms, fantastic, but like, let's do that for plumbers. Like, let's do that for operators, you know, like, let's do that for people who are out there actually like building the world around us. Like, let's make this industry super sexy. We have some smart marketing people involved. Like, let's just do that. Mm-hmm. I will be really happy when one day I don't get looked down on for building. That's, it's bullshit. It's happened since the beginning of time. I have high school peers that think they're just above and beyond because they went through college or they went this route, they went that route. It's like, I'm, I'm no less than you because I build. And you have to check in with you in 15 years and see how things are going. Oh, we checked in at five and we haven't talked since. <laughs> you, just, you just send them a, send them a selfie with your YouTube plaque. Well, no, I don't get to go to the, the high school reunion since I didn't oh, graduate. Oh, you're banned. You're banned. Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're just, <laughs> I go through the back door. <laughs> the back door. <laughs> They're not that fun. I've been to a few. <laughs> I don't think they'd let me. So the construction industry is starting to embrace the advancement of women a lot more. What advice would you give a young woman entering the industry now? And before we go on with this, earlier on, I said that my little sister, she's 15, wants to get into the trades. Uh, she doesn't exactly know where, and I, I really like what I'm about to say because she's in high school right now. She has been through the counseling with the high school counselor that guides her to the correct path, and it's 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 been bullshit. So she's under the impression that there are literally no women in the trades. I have a very awesome company locally that is an all-in-one design build. They have architectural, they have structural, all in-house. Mm-hmm. And that place is ran by women and they kill it with everything. That was by far like one of the best companies we've subbed out for. Um, we're actually going there to walk the place and they're going to take her through and talk to her about everything. So I'm super excited about that, but I want to have your advice as well. Cause she's going to listen to this. Um, well, first of all, tell her to find me online because I would love to connect her with all the people Anybody who wants to be connected with other women in the industry, please reach out to me. I would 
love to be like a, a contact for you to contact to connect you with other people doing different things. That said, I would figure out a way to try out as many trades as you can. Um, you know, go build at a Habitat for Humanity house. Um, go do some work where you, you can actually get your hands dirty. Um, take a community ed class. You do not have to make your decision right away. There's a lot of ways for you to try things out, but for God's sake, like do not decide the rest of your life at the age of 18. That is not the way to do it unless you feel so strongly about what you are passionate about that you have no doubt in your mind whatsoever. But like nobody should be deciding their entire life at the age of 18. Mm -mm. So I, I'd say like, for me, I followed this crazy path in my life and I would not have changed a single part of it because it got me to exactly where I want to be. And I had these amazing life experiences. So I just think people should follow their guts. Um, I think you should always say yes to a new uh, chance to try something new um, and never shy away from something that seems scary. Unless it's dangerous, scary, then, then don't do it. But like something that just seems intimidating or uncomfortable, I always encourage people to step outside their comfort zone, get comfortable with getting uncomfortable because really that's where the biggest growth comes. But if you're looking at the trades or if you're looking at any sort of blue collar job, because there are hundreds and thousands of different things you can do in construction, just keep pushing on it and trying different things and maybe start one place and then let yourself kind of be led to another place and just kind of follow your passion. Eventually you'll land where you need to be. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it'll be 40 and figuring it out. <laughs> as long then, as it happens before we're in the ground, we did it. That's, that's what that's what everybody's doing still still figuring it out no one i want it all figured out i wanted to be an electrician i i'm still able to do that and maybe one day are you I still will. considering it matt 100 i don't know you're pretty old you should probably just give up on that i i know <laughs> i i probably won't make it to see my next birthday but no i i've seriously thought about Making it applications for podcast co-host seriously I'd, <laughs> I'd love to replace you buddy <laughs> this guy this guy i love our dynamic you need a uh, kick just let me know i'm in christina before we uh we wrap up and do our fast five um we've heard some of the insights to kind of your unconventional journey into the industry and kind of where you are today, um, what crew collab is, um, what's the, what's been the most surprising thing you've learned about the industry so far? Um, everybody is really awesome. Like I worked in a lot of boardrooms. I've been in a lot of different, um, professional environments and by far, this is the most respectful, welcoming, happy, go lucky, just awesome group. I've ever been a part of, and I will never leave it. Like, like forever blue collar is where I'm going to be. I'm always going to be repping it. Like I'm not changing that career part, but like anything that has to do with building or earth moving, I mean, I'm there for it. It's, it's just such a, a cool industry. That's been the most surprising. Cause you're, you're told, you know, or you, you kind of like have already made up your mind about people working in construction when you're young. You know, and now I get into it later in my life and I'm like, wow, that was stupid. <laughs> like, what a stupid thing to tell people. <laughs> I love watching stuff come together. And that's been like the biggest motivator for me is like watching nothing turn to something, no matter what it is. Yeah. And equipment as well. I, I think you can relate to that one. I, I'll operate anything. As long as you give me the keys, I'm in it. But no, I, I wouldn't trade it either. This, this industry's one of a kind for sure. Uh, we're switching things up here. Apparently I'm going to be hosting our fast five. Um, so before we wrap up all of our episodes, we end with our fast four because I couldn't come up with a fifth fucking question today. So <laughs> here we go. Four questions to be answered in a sentence or less. Number one, if you could only listen to one nineties hip hop artist for the rest of your life, who would it be? I got salt and pepper. There we go. <laughs> nice. Number two, if you could be any animal, what would you be? Um, I think right now I would go with tiger. Okay. My pop choice. My pops ran union work for a while. And one of his guys asked him that he said, Matt, what animal would you be if you could be any animal? My dad's all, I don't know what kind of question that is. And the guy's all, I'd be a slug. 
My dad's like, I'm I'm pretty sure that's not even an animal, dude. Yeah, I was I mean, I, I would change that answer pretty much weekly because like I said, I have young kids, and so this is like a dinner dinner time discussion. It's Tiger Queen. Oh, there we go. Number there we three. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, your one message to the next generation would be always be yourself and follow what feels good. You know, make sure you're following your passion and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. Except there we go. Without looking, always look both ways. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm a mom, you know. <laughs> Number four, what does the term bread to build mean to you? It means that you were raised to build. That was the punchiest answer that we've had so far. It, it really was. Christian's I'll take like, it. duh. Like, is that a question? That's <laughs> fucking three words. How couldn't you know what that means? <laughs> I love it. Christina. Uh Thank you so much for joining the Bread to Build podcast. Before we let you off the hook, though, where can people find and connect with you? Plug the links, all of them. Plugs. Um, okay, Crew Collaborative is at the.crew.collab on Instagram. And please go to the highlights and follow all of our board members because they are all total badasses. Um, and then for me personally, I'm Christina at Christina Lately. So it's at Christina, spelled with a K underscore underscore lately oh man christina underscore lately remember the k either way yeah all, all links will be in the we'll, description on the we'll podcast link. and then crew collab also has a website right we do it's crewcollab.org and then we're also on linkedin i'm sure we're somewhere on facebook but nobody uses it so we'll plug everything go browse the links I joined LinkedIn not too long ago, and I think I did the wrong thing. I accepted one person that said they could loan me money just for shits and giggles. <laughs> and holy shit, I'm friends with 10,000 people that could loan me money. You always just say no thank you right away to those people when they send you a message. But Matt's like, sure, let's take a call. Yeah, I'm like, how much can you give me? What's the interest rate? Do I have to use my social? <laughs> guys thanks for listening to the 14th episode of the bread to build podcast a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward if you like this episode share it with a friend drop an awesome review do what you got to do as always feel free to connect with me further at brett going on hammer and ig thank you guys for listening Thir 13th episode correct 14th 14th episode of the bread to build podcast you guys can connect with me across all social platforms at matt bangswood we just hit 160,000 on youtube so thank you guys we'll see you next time on the bread to build podcast